Blog Talk Radio. harmony. The earth supports our conscious effort for sustained humanity. Human being, human love, on a spiritual tip. So vast, so great. The African embrace. Live beyond. Love beyond. Your skin to where you belong. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
in the context of the theme, Deception, Control, and Power, I invite you to call in and join us. Again, the number is 323 Please hit one and we can acknowledge, we will acknowledge your last four numbers. So right now, what we're going to do, like always, you know, the way we get started with our party is to introduce to you our political panelists and analysts for today's program. We first will start off with Brother Moses, and we'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you, thank you, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And we don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. And uh, ERA, yes, Equal Rights Amendment, yes because women hold up half the sky. And thank you once again, Brother Africa. The object of this object is, the object of the struggle is to unite the many to defeat the few. The lives of the few cannot hold up forever. And thank you once again, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Moses. Next, we will go to Sister Eleanor. And we'd like to welcome her to Welcome to Africa on the Move, Sister Eleanor. Good evening, um, Brother Africa, Brother Moses, and to all of our listening audience, and good evening to Louis Wolf. Thank you for joining us this evening. I stand today in solidarity with Mother Earth that we need to reverse our carbon footprint now to save us all. I'm also hoping that the proprietary knowledge that Pfizer and Moderna refuse to release, they will make it available to any pharmaceutical willing to produce the vaccine for whomever wishes to take it. This pandemic continues to kill tens of thousands of people daily. I stand in solidarity with the people of Cuba, the people of Palestine, and in particular with the people of the United States, that it's time for us to wake up and uh, get back to our roots because the few are controlling the many, and they don't have our interests at heart domestically or internationally. So I just want to thank you again, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, thank you, Brother Africa, for all your work, and uh, have a great Great show. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. And we will now bring in our brother, Louis Wolf. We would like to welcome him to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother Lou. Brother Africa, it's really a privilege to be on your program, and I thank all your listeners for listening to this great program. And I salute you for doing this program. How many years now? And every yeah. week you bring it. You bring it. You deliver the news. Uh, the real news, not the fake news, not the the disinformation that we are spoon-fed every day uh, by the mainstream media. Uh, my focus is on the crimes of, of this government, uh, particularly uh, by the CIA and the U.S. intelligence apparatus. Uh, I'm one of the founders of the magazine Covert Action 
quarterly. It was originally called a covert action quarterly, uh, or it was originally covert action information bulletin, then quarterly, and now it's covert action magazine. We are now online because we can no longer afford $14,000 each issue to print a magazine, uh, which we did for 27 years. So now it's online, and your listeners are welcome to look at our website, covertactionmagazine.com. The thing I want to stress here is that, um, you know, this government has gotten away with with the assaults on people's rights, not only rights, but their very lives for how many years, and all in the name of democracy? Well, it's actually in the name of American exceptionalism. That is a doctrine which all of the children in this country are taught in school, from grade school on up through college and university. And that is that the uh, that every president in our lifetime has repeated these magic words. Uh, um, it's almost like a required script. And that script is, quote, the United States is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Uh, I'm sorry, that leaves out uh, about 193 other countries in the world. So uh, thank you, Brother Africa, Sister Eleanor, and Brother Moses. Thank you for being on. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Lou. And at this point in time, what we're going to do, we can go to a quick station break, and when we come back, we have each one of our political panel analysts to share with us some events and ideas and issues that may have taken place in our world and the community. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Move. <laughs>
Congo watoto wa Afrika watoto wa Congo wate choke ubaguzi wa kabila eh eh tuungane tupeane mawazo ndio tutakenga iti yetu Congo
the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. That's right. Palestine needs our freedom. So does Cuba, Venezuela, all nations and all people. Whenever we find any system that exploits human beings, they are your enemy and we must fight against it. And we're going to do that today as we continue to discuss the theme tonight, deception, control, and power. But before we get to our theme, we encourage you to join us on this segment, What's Going On in Your World? and the community, and we're going to do that right now by bringing in Brother Moses. And Brother Moses, what's going on in your world in the community? Well, well, it's been an interesting week. Uh, I think, you know, we certainly have to recognize the revolution which is taking place, uh, self-determination up to and including independence, and I support support the independence of the uh, the Afghanistan people uh from U.S. imperialism, uh, which is the essence of of what unites them all together, uh, the anti-imperialism. And so I just hope that they can uh, come to some wise decisions about what the future holds, because we know it's a political economy. We know that politics is in command, and politics determines economics, always has and always will. And so we know that they, as people exchanging goods and service with other people that determine what happens. And, and so United, they they have a bright, bright future if they can take control of their destiny and uh, support each other and recognize that, that, that the every, that most of the, most of the people, 99% of the people are not the enemy. And, um, and, um, we have to come to terms with that. And, um, I think uh, other than that, um, uh, Biden, you know, has been apologizing and, and strategizing and I don't know, doing whatever he's doing. And um, hopefully the people will come to an independent stance, of, of independent of, of the U.S. government and see what reality is and take a stance based on reality and not be bending and blowing with every wind and current that comes in the political storm. Um, I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. I'll just leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. We'll make our transition next to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, what's going on in your world and the community? Well, it's uh, been an incredible week. We have now uh, 2,000 children uh, uh, infected with the uh, virus in this country, and 400 have perished as of uh, this week. 400 children have died. That's a tragic thing. Uh, In addition, uh, global warming is having a tremendous impact in nations around the world. 
and we see in the western United States issues affecting grazing uh, due to the drought that the U.S. has been uh, suffering with for the last six years. Um, I'm also very concerned about the Afghani people and uh, the women and children and, and the people of Afghanistan. I've known, uh, I know some Afghani people, and they're wonderful people. However, the Taliban is not a friend of the people or democracy. There is no government active in Afghanistan right now, and the people are terrorized, and we see that terror every day. Um, what I do, I stand in unity with the Afghan people, with the Palestinians who live every day with apartheidism under the Israeli military settler state. I stand in unity with the people of Cuba. We've seen over the last couple of months what's happening in Cuba. Cuba originally was handling this pandemic very well, but with a a shortage of essential medications for diabetes, for a treatment of diabetes and hypertension and what we call, what I call everyday diseases in the West, uh, and a lack of syringes, you uh, see the citizens are in an uproar. But I remind the people of the world and the people of Cuba that we stand in solidarity with them and the Cuban revolution, that uh, Cuba is a great nation. It's shown the world what happens when the many rule themselves versus what we see happening on the globe today where the super elite uh, lead all of us. It's a global problem. And uh, the other thing that concerns me, of course, and I've discussed it uh, before, is the the emergence of these totalitarian governments. Uh, Trump wasn't the only one. We see Brazil. We see India. We see uh, what's happening in Miramar. We, the capital people just being slain. We, 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 there's so much going on in terms of it's time for people to fight uh, these neo-fascist movements that are emerging around the globe. So it's time for us to unite. And it's a strange thing that's happened with the um, uh, media, media, uh, whether we call it just Facebook and all this now everyone knows everything. It can put a message out in a matter of moments. There's so much misinformation and confusion and manipulation. And uh, Zuckerberg seems not to matter. We've seen his behavior with the information concerning the virus. And we saw his uh, behavior with President Trump when the uh, these uh, – uh, what do they call themselves? The, the the white male groups emerging, the insurgents that attacked our U.S. Capitol on January 6th. He did nothing to suppress that kind of activity. And four years before, 
did nothing to suppress the activity planned in Charlottesville. Now, I don't believe that the media should be controlled, but I think this is uh, evident that what's happening now with all of us using the Internet is that we need to develop legislation and laws that protect the interests of citizens around the world. This is essential because the 1% are ruling all of us. Often we talk about U.S. imperialism, but it's a global imperialism. When, when we look, and I've looked over the months at some of the information and the articles and the things we've reviewed, I can't help but see that what's holding some corporations in check isn't U.S. imperialism. It's that they're incorporated here. They're, they're big multinationals that have incorporated here. And they're concerned not about the micro, uh, not about the micro government, but the little government, macro. The, I'm, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not reversing. They're concerned about the judiciary effects of what they do might have on the, and uh, where they're incorporated. In other words, um, if you're a, a subsidiary of a foreign national and you're you're incorporated here, you have the rights of a person, but those per, that person also has to abide by federal and local laws. So what's restraining some of these people and standing up and, uh, uh, and not doing business and not ignoring the embargo isn't a fear of the U.S. government, but it's a fear of losing profits. From their U.S. from their U.S. based subsidiaries, so it's time for everyone to begin to look at this world and realize that each nation, all people, need to take responsibility for their nation. I think, as I frequently say, I think the electorate has a great deal of power. If we didn't, we wouldn't see. 18 states passing legislation to restrict voter participation. So uh, that's kind of what's happening in my world. It's a hodgepodge. Uh, just seeing uh, the reports and the stories of what's happening and the door-to-door hunts for everyone from cooks to chauffeurs that worked with the U.S. government in Afghanistan is a frightening thing. I'm glad I'm not in Afghanistan. I'm not an Afghani citizen living through this horrific experience. Democracy and the the rights of the people are what's most important everywhere, including Afghanistan. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Word to the wise. I think we need to be a little careful, particularly as we talk about today, this whole concept of deception, control, and power, particularly when you hear from Western media in terms of what's really taking place in Afghanistan. But anyway, right now we can go to Brother Lou. Brother Lou, we can bring you in. Will you share with our listening audience what's going on in your world and community? Brother Lou. Uh, my response in the first uh, instance is that uh, my world is our world. Um, and uh, 
a lot of things that I work on are things of, of very grave concern to everyone, not only everyone in this call, but everyone in this world. Um, let, let me say here, uh, Eleanor, Sister Eleanor, talking about uh, uh, Facebook. Let me just say here that Facebook was created by a company called InQtel, I-N-Q-T-E-L. InQtel is a wholly owned proprietary company of the Central Intelligence Agency. If you look on their website, they're very proud that they created the platform. I'm talking about the, the, the platform on which people who use Facebook are using that platform. You have to. If you're a member of Facebook, you have to use their platform. You have no alternative. Um, Sister Eleanor mentioned uh, Zuckerberg. Uh, I, I, th I think his real name starts with the letter F. And uh, <laughs> there's no question that he has become one of several multi multi millionaires in this in this in this world. Actually, he's a billionaire. Um, uh, and likewise, you know, the, the founder of of um, so many things we're facing right now. And so uh, let me also say here that, that the lies that we face in our mainstream media every day of the, of the week, including Sundays, is that the United States has a right to own the world, to direct the world, to control the world. It, it used to be called uh, that makes us the world policemen. But in fact, it's, it goes beyond being policemen. It beyond it's, it's uh, as for example in Africa now, Africom, the so-called Africa Command, which is a separate command, a military command within the within within the Pentagon. They divide the world up into commands. <laughs> that 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 term command is their term, and so. Uh, in Africa, there are over, I, I don't know the exact number right now, but I think it's over 50 U.S. bases, it probably is more than that, in U.S. bases in Africa alone. Um, and they're not there, you know, saving democracy or anything like that. They are there for access to the, to the raw materials of each of those African countries where they're occupied, occupying. Um, and when we talk about imperialism, that is exactly what it is. It is the thirst of U.S. rulers and the U.S. military system and colonialist system to control the and have access. I mean, it's, it's, it's a thirst. It's a thirst that they have, an undying thirst for, to gain access to all of those uh, raw materials, their oil, their natural gas, their minerals. Uh, look at Congo, for example. Congo is has been rendered into a horrible state um, by the fact that the U.S. and and they we're not alone, but I would say primarily the United States is after their their, their raw materials. They have everything. They have gold. They have silver. They have platinum, which is in all of our cell phones. Uh, you name it, and um, as a result, 
the men and women and children of, of Congo, and I'm just using it as an example, have become very oppressed by by the by this so-called first world. And I will also mention that uh, in respect to Cuba, a country I love, I've been there quite a few times, um, and learned from their extraordinary example to the world. They have stood up how many years to the United States uh, since since uh, you know. Way back, way back. I don't mean just in this in this century, but it goes way back before the this beginning of this century and the last century. And that is that they have made an example of their standing up for socialism. And and you know, there were no less than 637 attempts to assassinate Fidel Castro, attempts by the CIA. That speaks volumes, does it not? Thank you. Thank you, Brother Lou. And to my panelists, as we discuss what's going on with our community, I have one fundamental question I'd like to ask all of you. All of you. And Lou, I'd like you to take the lead on this one first, based on your history and your discipline in this particular subject area. I was listening to the news this week, and they are selling the narrative that they are sending so many U.S. military soldiers back into Afghanistan to ensure that those who want to leave the country uh, would be able to properly get out and leave the country. And they are saying it in a way where they think that, where, where they believe, or have the people believe that they can just walk back in and do as they please and let anyone who wants to leave to leave. Now, my confusion is this. Based upon that earlier story, Lou, they reported that the uh, so-called Taliban has now captured the city and they controlled the streets to lead to and from the airport. I'm wondering how are they going to do that without the participation and cooperation with the Taliban? And, and, and if so, do you think there's an interest with the, with the Taliban to collaborate with them to allow them to do that, given the fact they've been fighting them over 20 years? So something about that story and that objective condition doesn't sound right to me. What is your take on that? Well, it's not a simple issue here at all. Um, you know, there's what they call good guys and bad guys. Um, and supposedly we're supposed to accept that the Taliban are the bad guys in this, in this uh, equation. I would simply point out that the United States has... <laughs> And, and including uh, Trump. I'm sorry, my, I have to. Uh, uh, could you could you go to somebody else and I'll come back. My dog is okay. Uh, sorry. I sister, sister Alan, brother Moses, what you think about that? Do you think as it's as simply as U.S. would be able to take them? military back into Afghanistan without any kind of collaboration approval by the Taliban? That's if the Taliban are controlling the cities as they have as they have earlier reported. What sense can you make out there? What is your take on that, Brother Moses? You have to um first we have to understand that this this um this vein of Islam um that they are practicing and, and preaching and uh, and evidently uh is, is is that the US is the is the is the is the Satan more or less uh 
as 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 the Iranians say, and um, and so U.S. on their territory is 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 is, is a sacred is, is is a religious problem. It's, it's sacred territory. That's why Bin Laden was was so pissed with the U.S. that he did what he did because the U.S. was in was in collaboration with Saudi Arabia and the Federal had bases on the sacred land as he saw it. And um, and so we have to respect um, self-determination, independence, sovereignty of, of nations, and countries have the right to independence. The countries who have a right to independence, nations want liberation, and the people want revolution. That's the main trend in the world today. And um, so we... We find that uh, um, um, let me let me stop right there. Let me stop right there. Thank you. Okay, brother Moose. Uh, Noah, yeah, I mean, take on that narrative or whether or not if it doesn't make sense to you, give us no objective objective reality. If you say your enemy is now controlling the territory and you need to come back in, how do you do that? while some form of engagement with, with the enemy. Um, there clearly has to be some form of engagement with the Taliban. Now, whether now the U.S. has not declared the Taliban currently or any of the other Western nation, nations their enemy, as you know, the embassy of Turkey and uh, China and, and a few other countries remain open right now. I do think that it would be uh, extremely difficult. One thing that concerned me is how the U.S. left all of this uh, uh, millions of dollars. They said, uh, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm correct when I say a trillion dollars worth of military equipment or some outrageous, it may have been billions, but uh, military equipment in Afghanistan. And I was thinking of the proprietary information and and having access to that equipment is outrageous because we're not only giving it, uh, leaving it in Afghanistan, we're leaving it for anyone to have, for it to be sold or given to anyone of our enemies or of the any enemy of democracy to have access to this type of weaponry and the technology. So that's a big concern. And in terms of being in Kabul and having so much of the equipment and having seen uh, whether it's real or not, the Taliban's uh, uh, messages where they uh, have access to this equipment and to these uh, weapons, uh, I think it would be very difficult for us to do anything. Everything that's being done in terms of the evacuation of Afghanis is um, uh, has to be done in cooperation with the Taliban. And as a, a freedom-loving person and a person who believes in democracy, I think that part of self-determination is an individual's right to exit Afghanistan right now if since that's what it appears thousands wish to do but obviously it can't be done without uh, some kind of uh, agreement between uh, 
the military and the Taliban. And okay, uh, let me see. Go ahead, Sister. Finish your finish your thoughts. Um, uh, the lines aren't clear for me, and it, it, it may be a lack of political sophistication, but it's not clear that uh, this doesn't look like democracy in action. Maybe it's just the Western media that is showing these horrific uh, images. Maybe it's just uh, the reports coming from journalists around the world that so many people died in this city this day and, and, and another uh, another day. Uh, there was a report this week where a, a mother had gone to her into her home because the uh, Taliban rebels wanted to know uh, who her sons were, and they thought they had been working with the U.S. where her sons were children. They were 17, I believe, and... 19 years old, and uh, by the time she got outside with the papers to identify her sons and their age and whom they were, they had been shot in the head and were dead. So that doesn't look like democracy to me. That doesn't look like, when I see unarmed people uh, dying, when I revisit the 90s and see uh, uh, women in, 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 in full burqa in stadiums being uh, stoned to death and shot. That's that's not that's not democracy. That's not freedom. Nowhere in the 21st century. And uh, in terms of uh, the the 6,000 troops going in, that can't be done without the Taliban agreeing that some terms and conditions being set up. Uh, with the Taliban on who's going to be allowed to leave uh, and uh, when. It's already uh, been stated that uh, uh, the U.S. government is asking, is uh, emailing and sending out tweets to persons uh, not to come to the airport, that they'll be notified when it's their turn to uh come to the airport. So it, it seems to be a, a, a lot of confusion. Um, there's an incredible amount of panic. And when you see the masses panicking and you see just men, uh, not n- no way of being identified, having control over the civilian population, that's not democracy. I don't know what to call it, but I think uh, just to answer your question, yes, the U.S. is going to have to work something out with the Taliban to continue this uh, uh, exit from Afghanistan. Um, You know, it's easy to have hindsight and say, oh, we should have started months ago, oh, we should have started last year. But remember, Donald Trump had already cut a deal with the Taliban. He didn't even meet with the the president and the government of Afghanistan, the existing government. He didn't discuss having elections or uh, making sure that there were elections and that the Taliban were on the ballot and this sort of thing. Not at all. 
he just cut a deal with the Taliban, and here we are today. And it appears that Joe Biden, when he was vice president of the United States some years ago, and President Obama wanted to increase the uh, uh, U.S. presence in Afghanistan, President Biden at that time, I think that was 2009, wanted to pull out of Afghanistan. He just wanted out. He just didn't feel that uh, it was productive for us to be there. And uh, I think that may be where some of his actions, uh, it may be his determination as an individual in seeing uh, and knowing the the situation on the ground uh, in Afghanistan from 2009 that he knew we needed to leave and has held fast to that. Um, Whether or not he'll be able to meet that August 31st Deadline. I don't think that in terms of uh, human life, of human cause, I don't think he'll be able to meet that. I think we're going to be moving into September. I know the goal was to have everything settled by 9-11, you know, and that sort of thing. But uh, I think this goes beyond pageantry. I think uh, for people who want to uh, leave Afghanistan to go to other countries, Right now, um, Syria says they can't take any more in. But wherever they wish to go, they should have a right as world citizens to go and resettle and live in peace. And in order to uh, bring more troops into Afghanistan, you have to deal with the controlling power, whether it's a, a functioning government or not. And the Taliban is that power, so definitely the U.S. will have to uh, work with the Taliban on whatever it's doing in Kabul today and throughout the rest of the month and upcoming weeks. Okay, let's see. We're going to we'll go back to Brother Lou. Brother Lou, we're coming back to you. As you stated earlier, looking at this conflict, we are two oppositions. And when you paint the narrative that one opposition that is now in control of a territory that you used to control, how realistic is it or what are some of the, I guess, um, conditions one will have to look at in order for the U.S. troops to come back into the, uh, Afghanistan and do the kind of things that they said they're going to do? What are they facing uh, from your analysis? How does this thing work out? Or is this just another deception? Well, I don't think it's any secret that the United States has never, uh, even with its claims to have the interests of the countries that we invade at heart (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. or that we occupy or that we bomb and that we drone, we don't have their interests at heart ever, certainly not in Afghanistan. We've been bombing and droning and assassinating people left and right for how many years now? for 20 years and beyond that, before that. So let's get real here. Um, the, the Taliban, who the United States has negotiated with in the past, I'm not talking about Trump, long before Trump, um, has, has been sitting down with the Taliban before this. And 
though I'm not the, the Washington Post is certainly not my favorite newspaper, but they did publish uh, the Afghan papers, which revealed, you know, from secret documents, um, the fact that the United the the Pentagon and the CIA and U.S. Agency for International Development has been lying. They they have the documents showing the lies, okay. And for Joe Biden to be surprised when the Taliban literally walked in to the to the uh, palace um, and sat down on uh, at, in their chairs, and you've seen the photographs of that. Uh, I should also m- mention that the previous uh, prime minister, um, I'm forgetting his name, evacuated, took himself out of there flew out, according to reports in the mainstream media, with millions of dollars. In fact, he was taken out in a helicopter, and they, he couldn't even stuff all the dollars into the helicopters falling out of the helicopter on the tarmac of the airport, that very same airport. So um, the lies just continue to pile up about Afghanistan. I, I should also say here that U.S. has other interests in addition to fighting the Taliban, and that is there are there are maps showing the the interests that the U.S. has, and and I should say the French and the British, but mainly the U.S. in their oil and their natural gas. There are maps showing that, and also that applies to Syria as well, another country where bombing and droning. So. Um, it's never simple, but it is clear that that the fictions of U.S. policy, that is, we want to build democracy and we want nation building and so forth and so on. Yeah, well, if you buy that, you'll, you'll buy, buy a, a, a loaf of bread from them that they're selling to you. Okay. We'd like to let the listening audience know that this is Alpha Go on the Moon. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat as we define it, and our panelists are going to stand behind it. We welcome you to come and join us today uh, by calling at 323-679-0841. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we're going to begin to discuss some um, videos off of YouTube as we begin to address our theme tonight, which is deception, control, and power. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Move.
here in chains, living in pain. Today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by the noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yeah, to last through my journey. When we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know. That I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Pellerino. A bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights, pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, 
and all the Pelorinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah. to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. We'll now make a transition to our theme tonight, which is deception, control, and power. Now, what we hope to do tonight is give you some tools to make your analysis when, when you're reading papers or looking at these various uh, mediums or media, you will be able to see through all of this organized confusion. Now, one of the videos that we chosen tonight to discuss that you can find on YouTube is titled The Cuban Who Conned the CIA. Go and check that out. It was a very interesting video, and what it did was I think they gave you a very good sense of how the CIA and U.S. Western media will set up false narratives to give you a illusion of something that really doesn't or didn't exist but it all aimed towards for them to create a situation where they can uh, have a military intervention. What I'm going to do right now, ask our political panelists and analysts today to comment on the video, on that particular video they saw. Now, before you make that comments, I would like to just outline some key things that came from that particular video, which I found of interest. One of the things they alluded to is that this plan or this methodology that they used recently um, um, against Cuba, when we talk about the so-called uprising that took place in July the 11th, uh, this past summer, 2021, is a method that they are using and have used throughout the world against other countries such as Libya, Venezuela, um, Iraq, you name it. And the name of this particular project was named Project Genesis. It began as far back as 2004. Now, one of the things we're interested in is seeing how long they are willing to plan to try to ensure that they can create chaos inside the country so they can come and um, organize a coup or take over. Now, this particular plan has been in the making for over 15 years. And many times they will take many of the citizens, academics, you know, professors, um, scientists, them and train them in, in, in Europe and U.S. Uh, to prepare for such a military uh, intervention. I thought it would be interesting where um, the young man from Cuba who was a counter-intelligence um, uh, agent for Cuba stated that he was even contacted to the U.S.-Cuban intersection in Cuba by the CIA. So what, we, what we're saying is 
most of the time, not all the time, you see many times, the emphasis to act as a tool to to carry out and support the activities of the CIA. Now, one of the narratives you will always find out when you come to Cuba, other countries that the, the U.S. and the West want to overthrow is, they always want to bring peace to the country, as if the country wasn't already at peace. I thought that was real interesting. Another interesting point I thought was that um, the brother asked the, um, the CIA agent who was in charge of this operation that why do they want him be the major um, agent to proclaim that he's the president of Cuba and that they choose one of these kind of revolutionaries or someone else. And he mentioned that even with the so-called uh, kind of revolutionary in Cuba, they really have no basis out of Cuba. So it just goes to show that Many times when they talk about this op- opposition, this is what you call organized control op- opposition that they are creating. Those are some of the interesting points that came out out of this particular film for me. And what it shows that uh, all of this stuff with deception. So right now, what I would like to do right now, I would like to lead out with Brother Lou for him to give his analysis on this particular take in terms of this particular film. And the sole question how the U.S. State Department goes about trying to organize machine change. So, Brother Lou, we come and bring you in now and just give us your take on this particular um, video and the sole question of methodology that the U.S. use as it relates to so-called trying to have a machine change. Unfortunately, uh, Brother Africa, I tried to view the video and was unable to because it required me to give my a password and so forth for for uh, uh, Google, and I refused to do that, so I didn't see the video. But I can say from uh, particular knowledge on this that, uh, the, 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 as you said correctly, um, there has been many years in the making uh, in, in Cuba ever since 1959, when the revolution happened in '61, uh, when when you know th- that's when it all began, because they 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 decided that it was not in the U.S. interests, as they always say, in our interests, and I put that word "interests" in, in quotes as they do, um, to allow uh, the Cubans to decide for themselves what form of government they would have. In that in their case, they decided. Uh, socialism and um, they have stood tall in holding up and standing up for for their country for that beautiful country all these many years um, as an ex- and it's an example to the rest of the world not only the countries in in, in the Caribbean and, and Latin America but the whole world that all this time uh, Cuba has stood up uh, as regards perception let me just sort, uh, let me say here that um, the great investigative journalist who uh, unfortunately is, is deceased now, I, I knew him, Robert Parry, it revealed uh, the whole um, what is called perception management. And he called it an article uh, in August of 2016, but just before he died, the victory of perception management. Perception management is exactly what the words say. They're managing our perceptions through the, the disinformation and, and misinformation, 
but mainly it's disinformation, and then they they lop onto that with disinformation on top of the disinformation. Um, and so, uh, and then one of the first practitioners of perception management was no less than than Colonel Oliver North. Nobody had ever heard of Ollie North before he hit the news. And he was carrying out, uh, among other things that he was doing secretly, was the Iran-Contra affair, sending sending arms to the Contras in, in Nicaragua who were assassinating women and children, particularly um, uh, killing and assassinating uh, uh, medical personnel and teachers. Those were the two categories that they really went after those people. In the case of, of, of Cuba, as I said earlier, there were 637 attempts on uh, to plans, actual plans, not just attempts, uh, but actual plans, and there are documents proving this, most of those, uh, attempts on the, uh, on the life of, of Fidel Castro. Um, there's a famous photograph of him holding the newspaper and it says, uh, a plan to assassinate Fidel Castro. And he's smiling and, and laughing. And, and uh, though he obviously had every measure of, of security around him um, to prevent that, trust me when I say they, they have very good knowledge of what the CIA is up to against them. In fact, uh, uh, I, I would simply say here, that there are no less than 12 Cuban um, officials that infiltrated the CIA, and I can name them. Florentine Aspillaga, he, was, uh, he, he, he reported that more than four dozen CIA uh, people, that Cubans that the CIA had recruited during the 40 years, um, had infiltrated the CIA. Another, another one was Dulce Sante Esteban, uh, Juan Luis Acosta, uh, a tuna boat captain. Antonio Garcia, a merchant mariner. Mariner. Orlando Argudin, an official of the Sugar Ministry. Jose Abel Gonzalez, a foreign trade official. Calixto Marrero, a member of the Ministry of Trade. Miguel Angel Lopez, an official of the Bank of Cuba. And Eduardo Leal, a communications expert. In Leal's case, he said he won a commendation medal and diploma from the CIA at the suggestion of the late CIA director, William Casey. So, uh, And they had infiltrated the CIA, and the CIA didn't know it. They fooled it, fooled the CIA. And they were all the while uh, gathering intelligence. Then I, I would just add here quickly that the, what were called the Cuban Five. These were five and Cuban intelligence officers that that had had a, a very well planned program to infiltrate the, the what we know as the Cuban mafia. That is the the Florida based um, uh, people who Cubans who supported the uh, the uh, government the pre prior government um, before the revolution. And uh, we're involved, as you know, deeply with with the um, the mafia. Um, and so the Cuban Five, all of whom, and they served, I think it was six years in prison in the U.S. Um, 
and they were they were subjected to psychological torture and some physical torture while they were there. But they were finally liberated, and um, they have told their story again and again. So the fact that the CIA, with all its technology and all of its finesse and all of its super zeal to to do what they do, which is overthrowing governments and buying elections and, and stealing the resources um, up and down across this world, um, it didn't work in Cuba. And, uh, and I, I think we have to learn from their example, Cuba's example to the world, that how you can beat the CIA. Okay, to our listening audience, this is Africa on the Moon. We're discussing our theme tonight, Deception, Control, and Power. We're discussing a video that you can go and check out on YouTube titled The Cuban Who Conned the CIA. Um, due to some method and plan where the CIA recently put together to try to implement it for many believe on July 11, 2021, as it was alluding to the so-called uprising inside of Cuba. And one of the things I will speak to do is if learn. I may. I'm yes, sorry, brother. After, 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 at some point, I'd like to speak further about what happened in July in Cuba. Okay. So, to our listening audience, if you'd like to chime in on the discussion, feel free to call 323-679-0841. Hit one, please hit one, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers. If you have any comments, views, hit one, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers. But, Brother Lou, in terms of what happened in July 11, it was very important. And I think the particular video will speak to that. Go ahead and talk about this July 11. What information you'd like to share with our listening audience? Well, I, I call your attention of your listeners and you to an extraordinary revelation uh, article um, in great depth by the Cuban publication called Cuba Debate, or in in in, in in Spanish, it's called Cuba Debate. You can look it up, Cuba Debate. On, uh, on, I think it was on July 13th their article first came out. That was right uh, within two days of the, of the so-called uprising. Um, they revealed chapter and verse of the whole operation um, that, w- that involved not just perception management, and involved a massive psychological warfare uh, by by the United States, in particular the CIA and the U.S. A- Agency for International Development, um, which which focused on recruiting young people in Cuba. Um, in fact, uh, I will say in 2014, uh, seven years before, uh, Associated Press revealed a, a massive CIA operation that was recruiting young people uh, through social media. Uh, they had obtained, I don't know how, the emails of thousands of young people in Cuba. Um, that's that's a, a mystery, how they did that and, and what uh, the, the, the architecture of that program, we should one day ho- hope we can know. The point is that uh, this was not a coincidence. One of my dear friends who's now in his grave, John, uh, uh, John Judge, the great John Judge, he said they they call quote he call they call me conspiracy theorist, I call them coincidence theorists, and the, and that that highlights the 
notion that, oh, all these things that happen around the world are just coincidences, right? And he mocked that by, by what he said. And so we were led to believe on July 11th and, and, and subsequent events that these were just an uprising of the Cuban people against uh, their government. And, uh, and as, as well as uh, Cubans here in the United States, uh, some of the people, um, well, I, I and others I, I know were involved in the demonstrations uh, uh, when the Cuban mafia people came from Florida by the hundreds. Actually, there was supposedly 3,000 of them on Pennsylvania Avenue right outside the White House. And there was a rally there to resist them. To, to, and we, we planned, I was part of the planning of that with others, that um, we do not engage with these people. Do not talk with them. Do not try and speak with them in any way because they're just, everything they're saying is a tissue of lies. Well, I would report to you that several of them were, 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 mock, were pointing their fingers at myself and others. Come, come to me, come to me, come to me. Like they were challenging me to, you know, they, he put up his fists. Come on, fight me. And we didn't, we didn't fall for that. And, um, and so, and they walked away. And what has happened since July 3rd, 11th and 13th? The whole, the whole uh, uh, supposed uprising of the Cuban people has basically just frittered away. It, it's, it, and, and Cuba, the Cuban government has, and the people stood up. There are photos, and I will just add here, photos of the thousands upon thousands of Cuban people in the streets in support of the Cuban government. Uh, but, but the one thing you should know is that there were a lot of photographs. It was imagery. It was, in this case, imagery management uh, as part of perception management, where they created these photos that were found in the mainstream media, in the Guardian of London, in the New York Times, in the Washington Post, of supposed demonstrators against the government. And I'm not saying there weren't any, but there, there was photos of uh, one photo that, that made it on the front page of, of the, the London Guardian. And when you look closely at the photo, the people had the July 26th movement flags. That is, they were supporting the government. These were not uh, opposing the government. Then there was another photo, blocks and blocks and blocks long of people marching according to the photo caption, marching against the Cuban government. This photo was taken seven years ago during, uh, during one of the rallies in Havana in support of the government. So that's what I'm talking about, in this case, imagery management. It's, it's, it's so vile and so corrupt, but it is, it is psychological warfare. Okay, thank you, Brother Lou. So, Eleanor, what did you take from that video um, of something that we could share with our listening audience that they can learn from? Sister Eleanor. Well, um, the issue definitely is um, the new, uh, I don't know the term for the computers and the way we communicate, you know, with the Facebooks, the email. 
but it has definitely created a crisis because we saw in the 80s the um, with the election of Ronald Reagan, uh, we saw this incredible birth of, uh, uh, or we should, I'd rather I should say we saw the death of investigative journalism and we saw the birth of uh, mass media control and manipulation, you know, with the uh, Rush Limbaugh's and that kind of thing. But I want to just speak to uh, the question at hand, and um, I had read something in addition to the video that uh, Brother Lou had written, and, and he uh, informed us about uh, at the end of the Spanish-American War in 1903, uh, Cuba signed a treaty with the U.S., and it uh, was called the Platt Amendment. And at that time, um, uh, the U.S. was negotiating a fueling uh, place where they could uh, fuel their um, naval ships, their naval vessels. It was called a coaling station. Uh, that's the quote, uh, co- uh, quote, coaling station, end quote. And uh, subsequently, uh, it gave birth to uh, Guantanamo Bay, and uh, what we know as uh, a U.S. prison. Uh, We know that several hundred people have been held there. We understand that a child is in the the beginning of that debacle in the Middle East, as young as 11, lived there. We understand uh, that uh, everyone has been moved subsequently. Uh, However... Some persons were captured, held there, and died. Um, and, uh, of course, the Bay of Pigs was a big debasco. What the, what, what the problem right now is journalism in itself. Uh, journalists aren't doing investigative work. What people think investigative work is a type of exclusiveness where somebody sends you an email and you don't share it or its source with anyone. You simply uh, call back your story, and that becomes breaking news. So you don't uh, release who your sources are. You don't investigate the source of the email. So we see uh, manipulation. Now, on July 11th, we knew that there were a demonstration and maybe a, a hundred plus people were arrested in Havana. But at that same time, in South Africa, thousands of people were protesting for similar reasons, a lack of access to uh, vaccines, a lack of access to medical resources. In addition, the South Africans had to pull out 25,000 soldiers to protect Johannesburg and Dublin. Now, we barely read about that. That was during the same week, within days of the Cuban demonstration. So we see uh, U.S. propaganda. We see that there is a movement, I think, in this country to uh, embrace uh, uh, people like the uh, 
uh, Miami Cubans. Uh, I saw Cubans coming on buses, beautiful buses from Michigan. They were all at the Cuban interest section protesting. They had on a prison uniforms. They were alleging that persons were being killed by torture. They had no names or pictures of those persons. They uh, All kinds of atrocities they were alleging. And uh, I see this as just uh, propaganda because the reality is, is that when those email addresses were retrieved, I'm sure folks are getting uh, emails about brighter days ahead. I read some of Donald Trump's emails. Uh, a woman that works for me is a Trump supporter. It's ridiculous. She's a woman of color. She's from Central America. But she believes these are the last coming days. And this is where misinformation comes about. You, you turn on your computer, it knows what you're used to looking at, what you want to see, and it feeds you more of it. And it seems to be no integrity in terms of uh, uh, journalists and the information that is fed to the public. Right now, I think the best thing for Cuba and the only thing I could take away from this article is the embargo needs to be lifted. And I think working class people need to stand in solidarity everywhere because it's a real global crisis. When you go to Honduras and you see a mega church that looks like it's in Georgia or or here in the DMV and the uh, uh, and the ministers are preaching, and they're including in their sermon, uh, Israel is uh, uh, God's wish, and that uh, Zionists, not defining Zionism as a movement that is not associated with Jewish people. Zionism is a political movement. Not mentioning that only Jewish people can vote in Israel not discussing any of these things, but talking about uh, some kind of uh, uh, heritage that you've been waiting for for uh, thousands of years to regain your land. Well, it's interesting that you were willing to consider Uganda. You preferred South Africa. The Zionists preferred South Africa. Uh, but the Afrikaners weren't having that. And Uganda's landlocked, and they offered them a bit of uh, Iraq that they made a new country out of. It's called um, Kuwait. But the climate was so too bad. And the innocent Palestinian people said, yes, all people have a right to determination. They have a right to live without the threat of bodily harm, to live without fear to have a home, to be educated, to have access to health care, very basic things, and they end up with a military settler state. So I just see the article is uh, really talking about the misinformation that's out there, and remember, there's so many people being bought off. I often think about who in who is the is the CIA paying off? Who is the United States paying off? How do we contribute to our own domestic problems by financing 
these these traitors, these people, they're traitors in that they're willing to betray their country for dollars. And not everyone's willing to do that. Just as I am a patriotic America, American, no matter what difficulties we have here, and I believe that we can change, I also believe that and I do know that the Cuban people are a model for global government. And I do know that the Cuban people do need medical equipment. They do need assistance. But the CIA's first rule is to agitate, create an economic social crisis. Well, that's been done with this pandemic and the lack of medical supplies. So we should look at it for what it is, you know, um, uh, much of what's being released about Cuba and the people's demonstration against the government is false and uh, erroneous, and that's all I can say about that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Before we go to Brother Moses, I would just like to say that I'm not a damn patriot American. I don't make no claims of taking nobody's land. I don't make no claims of the, the gentrification and the assassination of their nations. I don't make no claims of being a nation that want to impose imperialism, communism on the world. You know, this whole question of being an American, it doesn't fit my history. So I just want to make clear on record. I'm not confused when it comes to that one. But right now, let's go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what you take from this video, Brother Moses? Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch that video. I, I saw four videos, but I don't remember that one. Uh, it must have been in a separate email, which I didn't get. Anyway, um, the, the, we have to recognize that the U.S.-Israeli domination of the world and Perpetuating racism and bigotry is, is their is their goal, and uh, you know they they we we put billions of dollars into uh, into apartheid Israel, but uh, every time there's a revolution, we slap on sanctions. In Cuba, when there's a revolution, we slap on sanctions and and, and embargoes. In Iran, slap on sanctions and embargoes. Wherever anybody, Cuba, Nicaragua. Um, Venezuela, anybody who stands up against this this imperialist system um, is, is hit with with embargoes, sanctions, and uh, and and demonized. And we have a lot of liberals who who are right along with them, demonizing them. And so you know, but we can expect that um, that we have to fight against sanctions against um, um, Afghanistan and. Um, but it's going to be coming. So anyway, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. To our listening audience, I'm Brother Africa. This is Africa on the Move. It's a weekly program. It comes on starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. Uh, you can catch us same time, same station. Or if you have any comments and questions, we'd like to hear them from you. You can email us directly at Africa on the Move number two at gmail.com. What we're going to do right now, we're going to move into the next video. We'll tell you, go to YouTube, check it out. we like to have a uh, panel um, panel analysis discussion on this video. 
But before we go to the video, let us first tell you the name of the video. It is titled, The CIA and Fake News in the 1980s. In this video, they talk about how the CIA and its relationship with um, newspaper companies, the role that it played in disinformation as related to the wall and the scrub in Angola and Nicaragua. We can listen to it when we come back. We'd like to get a response from our uh, panelists today as well as yours. So right now, let's go to this particular clipping for the video, the CIA and fake news in the 1980s. We all know that you can't believe everything you read, but at the same time, most journalists do try their level best to get the facts straight. It requires checking, and wherever possible, a first-hand account of what's happening. But an eyewitness account is not always possible, particularly in nasty wars on the other side of the world, and so reporters sometimes have to rely on other people's accounts. The story then becomes as good as its source, and sources sometimes lie. The U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, deals in information and misinformation. Tonight we see how the CIA has been able to plant news reports that aren't just inaccurate, but totally fabricated. This is Angola, a former Portuguese colony in southwest Africa that's been at war since the mid-70s. Its left-wing government, supported by Cuban soldiers, fights a continual battle against guerrillas backed by South Africa. Ten years ago, the Soviets helped send guns and troops here, and the United States responded with support for the guerrillas. According to newspapers at the time, that's how the Angolan War started. But did it? John Stockwell, wearing the cross, worked for the CIA for 12 years. As a colonel, his last assignment was to run the U.S. campaign in Angola. The basic theme was to make it look like a, a Russian-Cuban aggression in Angola. And so any kind of story that you could write and get into the media anywhere that, that pushed that line, you did. Uh, One-third of my staff in this task force was covert action was propagandists, whose professional career jobs was making up stories and finding ways to get them into the press. In 1975, the resource-rich African country was being fought over by three factions. Agostino Neto led the left-wing MPLA, which eventually became the government. Jonas Savimbi, an anti-Marxist, led UNITA, which was openly supported by South Africa. And another anti-communist force was led by Holden Roberto, who had been paid by the CIA for 14 years and was now to receive major U.S. support. The CIA had just closed down three long-term paramilitary operations in Southeast Asia, the Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. They had over a thousand paramilitary case officers come flocking back to Washington. They didn't have desks for everybody, much less jobs, and morale was rock bottom low. They wanted a covert action. They wanted a paramilitary encounter. The rationale was that uh, uh, the Soviet Union was trying to take advantage of the United States' weakness right after the, the Vietnam War, that Angola was getting its independence and they were trying to snap it up, and that Henry Kissinger decided that we could not be weak and we wouldn't let them do it. Our own files disproved that. We moved into Angola first and Russians were responding to us. 
But before the CIA could move, the U.S. National Security Council had to be sold, and Stockwell helped with the briefing. The first briefings on Angola literally went, gentlemen, this is a map of Africa. Here is Angola. And then they went on with a chart to explain there are three liberation movements in Angola. One of them is headed by Holden Roberto. He's the good guy. We've worked with him for years, and he's literally good guy. Then the, the MPLA is headed by this drunken, psychotic Marxist poet, Augustino Neto. He's the bad guy. And they used exactly the good, so to make sure that people understood. <laughs> Once the National Security Council had given its blessing, Stockwell and the CIA cranked up their propaganda machine. And newspapers around the world became unwitting accomplices in the campaign. From the CIA's headquarters, Stockwell sent his propagandists to Britain, Portugal, Zambia, and Zaire. Far from the battlefield in Angola, they wrote news releases for the two Western-backed factions, and these were fed into the ticker tapes of the Western media. Stockwell's CIA men also wined and dined Western journalists and gave them personal briefings. His man in Zambia was particularly enthusiastic. He ran a story that the city of Malangi had been captured by the UNITA forces, and in doing so, it captured 20 Russian advisors. And uh, they thought this would show that Russians were running the thing in Angola. There weren't Russian advisors. It wasn't a factor, and we knew that. But the story did well. The Toronto Star, like many newspapers, picked it up from Reuters News Agency. It was also carried in the Montreal Gazette and in the Vancouver Sun. I, I remember reporting that very clearly. Fred Berglund was the Reuters reporter who filed the story from Zambia. But, um, years later, I discovered that um, a little CIA um, misinformation expert had sat in the um, U.S. Embassy in Lusaka and had composed that communique, and it bore absolutely no relationship at all to truth. You've got to remember, at that stage, during a war, um, you're working under incredible pressure. I, I worked for four months without a day off for 16 hours a day. And all that was wanted was a flow of information. I mean, I, I'd done the same in the Middle East War. I, I was based in Damascus. I mean, in the first week of the war in Damascus, I, I wiped out the Israeli Air Force three times over with official statements. Reuters, with its headquarters here on London's Fleet Street, is one of the world's largest news agencies. Its international bureaus provide many newspapers with their only source of news from far parts of the globe. Well, I mean, with hindsight, um, some of the official statements from the side I was reporting, and I stress from the side I was reporting, but also from the side that people in, um, in Luanda with the MPLA were reporting, clearly most of those, rep those statements were completely false. The CIA man in Zambia soon came up with an even better story. He had some Cuban soldiers uh, raping some young Angolan girls. Uh, then there was a battle, and he had uh, that Cuban unit cut off and captured. And then he had the Cuban women, the victims, identifying their rapists. And then there was a trial, and they were convicted. And then he had them executed by a firing squad of the women who had supposedly been violated with photographs. Of, of, of young African women with uh, weapons shooting down these Cubans. Uh, there had never been a rape. There had never been the military action. The Cubans had never been captured. Uh, it was all fiction. Fiction, maybe. 
but it showed up on the front page of papers like the Toronto Star. The Toronto Globe and Mail also ran the story, and its headline attributed it to Angolan guerrillas. Many other Canadian newspapers in cities like Winnipeg, Montreal, and Halifax picked up the story. Basically, and to put it very crudely, you can um, publish any old crap you like, and it will get um, get a um, newspaper room. But despite the best efforts of the CIA, the armies it supported didn't stand much of a chance once Cuban soldiers showed up. The force led by the man who'd been on the CIA payroll, Holden Roberto, was wiped out. And UNITA and the South Africans made a hasty retreat. Back in Washington, Congress didn't want another Vietnam and voted against spending any more money in Angola. More recently, the CIA has found work for its skilled writers in Central America, particularly in the campaign against the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. First, the arms flow story. According to President Reagan, Nicaragua supplied guns to left-wing guerrillas in neighboring El Salvador. The Sandinista dictatorship of Nicaragua, with full Cuban-Soviet bloc support, not only persecutes its people, the church, and denies a free press, but arms and provides bases for communist terrorists attacking neighboring states. David McMichael was the CIA's senior analyst on Nicaragua. He was asked to write a report on the arms flow, but when he looked at the evidence, it didn't support Reagan's claims. The, the argument that we're dealing with here is, do these arms come through or from Nicaragua with the complicity of the Nicaraguan government? And the evidence does not sustain that. In 1981, the CIA asked McMichael for a report on the Nicaraguan press, opposition, and church. And uh, my, my conclusion was that, uh, you know, there was a significant space for these uh, for these groups to operate, uh, but that they were in no, in no danger of suppression or disappearance. Compared to any other Central American country, Nicaragua has by far the liveliest uh, opposition press and media. Over two-thirds, for example, of the 40-odd radio stations in the country are, are still privately owned and generally speak their mind. When McMichael spoke his mind, the CIA didn't like it. He was fired. But after four years of fighting, now the Nicaraguan government has suspended many freedoms. In the world's newsrooms, the CIA efforts at disinformation continue to turn up. In 1982, reporters were shown photographs of what the CIA said were Soviet bases in Nicaragua, identifiable by their Soviet-styled obstacle courses, training areas, and guns. I used to laugh and say, look at that Soviet-style baseball diamond over there, you know. Um, you know, this is, this is almost foolish, really, you know, to talk about this. First of all, they're not Soviet military bases. That's, that's the whole point. The second is that a barracks is a barracks. You know, an obstacle course is an obstacle course. The Soviet freighter Bakuriani pulled into the Nicaraguan port of Corinto today, carrying a mystery cargo which could lead to a showdown between the Sandinista... Just over a year ago, on the day President Reagan was re-elected, his administration came up with another Nicaragua story. This one had to do with Soviet MiG fighters, which Washington said had been shipped to Nicaragua in some mysterious crates detected by satellite surveillance. The result was more headlines. But as the story developed, doubts began to emerge. 
Ronald Reagan had a warning today for Nicaragua and for the Soviet Union. Reagan said the U.S. still cannot confirm reports that Nicaragua has received a shipment of MiG-21 jets. But he said if the reports turn out to be true, the U.S. would take a very dim view. The Nicaraguan government has denied that crates taken off a Soviet freighter today contain any warplanes. And it's accused Reagan of trying to whip up an invasion fever. By week's end, U.S. officials were saying there weren't any MiGs after all. It's the usual thing. The charge makes the headlines. The retraction makes the inside pages. Eight or ten days later, it's revealed, well, MiGs weren't on the way, but that's no longer a headline. So what one is left with is the overall impression from the screaming headlines of the week earlier that Nicaragua continues to represent this enormous danger to the security of the United States. This nation of three million impoverished souls, half of whom are under the age of 15, you know. Well, I would, I, I would say people are very silly if they believe everything that newspapers tell them. And I think pro probably anybody who buys a newspaper needs a course on how to read newspapers. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Move. You have been listening to a documentary titled The CIA Fake News in 1980, and you can look it up, uh, look it up at YouTube. Right now, we will continue our discussion on deception, control, and power, and we have Lewis Wolf, who is a co-founder of Covert Action. Uh, Lou, when we talk about the CIA and its relationship um, to establish print media, what has been the history of that relationship, and how do you see that relationship continue to play out today as it relates to disinformation? Uh, you know, in, in, the, in the annals of the CIA, they, uh, historians who study these issues very closely record that, uh, that one, of the, one of the plans inside the CIA was to have something called the Mighty Wurlitzer. That is, you know, consider a, a, an organ in a megachurch. It's called a Wurlitzer organ. And in this case, the CIA built up a massive um, facility disinformation, and it was called, nicknamed, called the Mighty Wurlitzer. Um, what, what you saw on that tape and that vi video is also real. Um, I knew John Stockwell. He's still alive and living in Texas, and he... he uh, you know, talked about that story of, with he and his buddies sitting in the office in, in Luanda, Angola, uh, thought up this story about raping uh, of, of Cuban soldiers raping these uh, young Angolan women. And it was like three of them sitting around the table and they hatched this story. This was not even anything close to any reality in the case and that's what what the video talks about again and again the mighty Wurlitzer uh, is activated around the world by the CIA and that, that's happening today uh, as well as during that time and let's be clear that people as one one of the people in the film said we need to learn how to read the newspaper and some folks, myself included, have made it our practice to learn, if we can, 
to uncover disinformation in, in the mainstream media, whether it's the New York Times, the Washington Post, or, or other, even CBS and NBC. It's not every story. I'm not pretending that. No way. But there's an overwhelming incidence uh, happening of this kind of practice, that is, disinformation. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan, unfortunately for him, he regretted it after that, uh, talked about a, a, and used a photograph in Nicaragua which purported to show uh, the uh, Nicaraguan uh, uh, government people unloading a crate, another crate, <laughs> crates of weapons and crates of, in this case, drugs from an, a plane in in uh, in in that case in Nicaragua, um, and turned out that photo was was uh, was a fabrication. Um, I used to know a man, a great CIA veteran, um, who blew the whistle. He his name was Ralph McGeehy. Uh, he's unfortunately passed now, but Ralph used to talk about our crates of weapons. Crates. It was it was a it was a you know a common usage inside the CIA. Crates of this, crates of that, that they we would discover on a beach somewhere or on the side of the mountain somewhere, you know. And um, and so, you know, their lies just don't add up, uh, and, and their lies begin to, when you peel the back, the, the, the truth from the fiction, or the fiction from the truth, I should say, um, it you know, they they can't get their story straight. And unfortunately, it's a fact that the CIA is so inept that they keep repeating in some cases, though they've, they've perfected it somewhat, but they keep repeating the same old storyline, the same old uh, ways of disinforming people, not only in the United States, but around the world. They are a global agency. They're not just in one country or two or five. They're everywhere. There might be a few countries that they don't have a CIA station, but I, I dare say almost every country in the world right now. Okay. We'll go with Sister Eleanor. When we look at this film, the CIA fake news, Sister Eleanor, we can see there's a close relationship between newspaper and what the press may print out as relates to the interests of a particular government and our intelligence agency. Agency. What do you take from this particular um, documentary, Sister Eleanor? Okay, we can go to let's go to Brother Moses. We'll come back and try to get Sister Eleanor. I think we lost her. Brother Moses, what do you take from this yeah. documentary? Well, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised. I mean the. The interest of the U.S. Uh, ruling class uh, is is perpetuated by war and uh, the military-industrial complex, the war machine, and so they make up stories. I mean, the Gulf of Tonkin. We've we've seen, we've heard that various throughout history they always come up with some lie, lie to, to get the things going and uh, and to perpetuate whatever they want. Like right now. Um, Eldon was talking about that story about the the two sons and all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's so blatant and uh, and you know that 
that it sounds like something they would put out. I mean, like it's just stuff, stuff that doesn't leave any 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 uh, room for the imagination, but it's real blatant and 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 uh, detailed, and uh, it's just so incredible. It's hard to believe, but you're supposed to believe it. And um, but but since the Taliban is the enemy, I mean, of course they do uh, what all enemies do. And um, the most atrocious things on earth, and so, you know, I'm not saying that they're God, they're angels or anything, but you know, the revolution is not a tea party. And um, but anyway, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Okay, I believe you now have Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, your take on this documentary. Um, I'm going to start with quoting Brother Robert. Um, revolution is not a tea party. And when you, when I stand up as an American in solidarity with, uh, with the people, that's quite different from standing up with the 1%. I don't confuse the two. However, as I had said earlier, and I, I may have mentioned earlier, I, there is so much misinformation. And, uh, this uh, was very revealing. Um, you know, it's it's interesting how it's a 20-year-old, you know, it's a 30-year-old, um, I guess, article. I'm not sure. But the bottom line is, is that it was informative. It was uh, factual. It's a, not an article. It's a, a, a video. And uh, it, it was very useful. And we, of course, have to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, just to say one, I don't know if the Taliban's the enemy. I'm not making an assertion about who or what the Taliban is. But I do see a crisis in Afghanistan. And of the Afghanis I know, Many are concerned and want to get their families out. And Afghani folks are not the kind of people that uh, want to uh, immigrate to other countries. They're, they, they're proud of Afghanistan. It has a deep cultural root, and there are many different uh, – they don't call themselves tribes. They don't call themselves clans, but they're ethnic groups there, and they all have – have a very ancient civilization that they're very proud of. This article was helpful in that it let this uh, video was helpful in that it lets people know about the deception and the deceit that goes on every day. And as dangerous as the uh, uh, created and misinformation is, there's also the issue, uh, Brother Africa in the audience up information that we do not see or receive. Uh, we look at, uh, you look at news every day, whether on cable or uh, however you receive your news, Apple News or whatever, and you really don't know what you're getting. It's, it's, it's like someone is giving you their opinion and they're talking about how they feel, where they walk their dog, things that aren't pertinent to uh, addressing the issue of global warming, not pertinent in terms of addressing the issue of the uh, gentrification and the dislocation 
of uh, tens of thousands of African Americans from the District of Columbia, not pertinent in terms of uh, showing us what's going on, letting us know and communicate with our Palestinian brothers and sisters what's going on, um, having blacked out the situation in South Africa. We were focusing on Cuba, but we, we didn't focus on those 25,000 groups being called out to protect Johannesburg and Dublin. So, so the issue of misinformation, a lack of information, uh, a lack of uh, access is a serious concern, and that's where we as individuals become very important, that we share what our sources and uh, gather information and uh, disseminate information, and that we prepare our youth, our 10 and 11 year olds, to be responsible uh, human rights advocates and to be responsible environmentalists to protect this earth. Um, you know, this article just speaks tons of truth. It's just like we don't hear a thing about. Uh, anyone really connecting all these environmental crises happening everywhere this summer, last summer, with global warming. There's no thread connecting them. Sometimes uh, we don't even know that there are, uh, some of us don't realize there are forest fires and floods in Japan, you know, in Turkey and Greece. Uh, in, 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 in what used to be called Armenia, but is now uh, uh, under some former Soviet uh, independent country's rule. So, I mean, there's so many, so, so little information, and, it's, and it's, we know that a lot of this information is created and administered to keep us, the domestic population, confused and to keep us in line. And uh, it's up to us to uh, stand up against it. And and as one of the videos said, it might have been this one, the guy said, uh, you can go to Yale now and you're up in Hartford, Connecticut, and there's no such thing as actual uh, American history. You can take an aspect of American history, but you don't learn any kind of total American history, how the curriculum in the last 30 or 40 years has changed so drastically across this country. And uh, it's a very tragic time. Everybody's on the Internet being fed what they like to hear. But there are real issues facing the world um, just as uh, the Afghanis are facing this week. And I'm not going to call it revolution, and I'm not going to not call it revolution. I'm just saying that there is something awry when you see civilians in such distress. Something is wrong. We're not talking about people just choosing to stay home while the revolution is going on and they'll be out when there's a legitimate government. We're talking about people trying to abandon their nation. So the article was very helpful. It let us know that in Angola, as it used that, I will use Angola as an example. They used Angola to 
uh, talk about how these articles were completely fabricated. But I know, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, that uh, Cuba sends doctors out, and if they send soldiers out, they're not they're not looting and pilfering and raping uh, civilians. That's not what they do. We have some problems here domestically with our military, but so far we've never seen any real evidence of uh, Cuba having any such. Uh, improprieties in their military. So uh, it was great, and uh, it was it's worth a listen. And so I would tell everyone listening to to take a listen. It's worth it's worth your time. It'll give you a new perspective. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. We got Brother Anthony. We'll bring him in. Brother Anthony, as we listen to the documentary, the CIA and fake news in the 1980s, they talk about uh, their relationship with the media as relates to the Scurvy and Golden Nicaragua. But one of the things that came to my mind, and I'd like for you to speak to it, is that there seems to be a disconnect or a contradiction between the CIA and its relationship to the concept of a free press as well as this concept of, of a democracy. Your response to that to that statement, Brother Anthony, in the video? Yes, there is a disconnect because you can't have democracy and a free uh, press if uh, journalists aren't indep- uh, sufficiently independent to, uh, to report uh, the truth to the best of their ability. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, uh, it takes, uh, special analytical skills in order to sift through the misinformation that's, uh, perpetuated in the, uh, U.S. media, especially, and, uh, the capitalist media in general, but particularly the U.S. media. Because, uh, you know, if the uh, Kwame Ture pointed out that the capitalist media lies all the time, and uh, and if they lie all the time, then how are people uh, able to make informed decisions based upon what they read and hear? And so it's, uh, it's a glaring contradiction. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and a lot of people in the U.S. are making decisions based upon the lies put forth by the CIA in the uh, capitalist media. And it's a very dangerous situation because uh, they're not, uh, they're not based, uh, the, the information on uh, on uh, on the truth, and uh, it's uh, very difficult, and it takes a, a special uh, analytical background uh, in order to sift through uh, the lies that are per- perpetu- perpetuated in these uh, in the media. That is why. In addition to information, political 
education becomes so so important, and that is why uh, we uh, we need to belong to a political organization that is working for our people's liberation. Okay, panelists, before we close out for the night, I would like to ask each one of y'all to somewhat briefly respond just to this issue of some people will argue that today, at this point in time, or our historical development, we seem to be living a life of, of the matrix. That is to say, a lot of the stuff we see and hear are illusions. Your response, Brother Lou, are we living during day and time of the matrix? Well, it takes it takes a dedication for all of us to be clear about the realities versus the fictions. Uh, the the lie that I said earlier that the United States is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Um, I mean, that's that's the personification of evil, in my view, that to say that we are better than all you other countries out there, we are superior, we are great, we are this, that, and everything. Um, and so we have to understand that, yes, there's some truth, in what we call democracy, that if, if it can really happen. But when Martin Luther King said, the United States is the greatest purveyor of violence in the world, he was telling it. He was telling the truth right there. And so, uh, you know, we have a Pentagon that is runs our, our world, um, has free reign throughout this, the, the, the world. Um, and all of the contractors that that make millions, they feed at the trough of the Pentagon to get these multi-million, I'd say billion-dollar contracts. I study the, the military uh, journals, and you should see the, the, I will say the word, shit that they they do um, in, in, in order to get the business from the Pentagon. And it's a revolving door. People who worked in the in the media sometimes they go over to the Pentagon and work for them, and then they come back to the State Department. Then they go to the CIA, and it's it's a revolving door. So uh, I would just close by saying that we have to be very clear that that you cannot believe the lies. You cannot believe the lies, and you cannot believe the lies. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Lou. So, Eleanor, give me a brief statement. Just respond to the nature of how we live in the world of the matrix today. Well, I'm unfamiliar with that um, film, so I'm not able to speak to that. But we are definitely living in a time of uh, misinformation and misinformed people. The development of the QAnon uh, as a political organization and as someone like Taylor Green could have been elected to uh, a federal position is an example of that. So um, again, we have to, I agree with uh, the other, uh, everyone this evening, uh, Brother Lou and Brother Moses and Anthony, Brother Anthony, that we really, really have to sort through the truth. We really have to be able to look at some things on the face value and know that they 
are lies or is misinformation. And we have to also not close our eyes to the reality around us. And I believe that, uh, as Brother Anthony said, political education, he, he, he reminded me that in many schools now it's not a part of the standard curriculum to uh, any type of civics or U.S. government. or so, so our young people don't even know there are three branches of government. They don't know how anything works. They don't know how to register to vote. They don't. It's it's all a mystery, you know. Do it if you can, kind of society. And this is not productive. And I begin to see people just following um, uh, mass media. They don't they don't know what's going on. And the journalists and the journalists. I'm sure there are many great journalists, but if you want encouraged to be an investigative journalist, what are you going to do? Because in that video that we last discussed, Brother Africa, um, everyone was taking it from what was then the popular news source. And we saw this misinformation not only distributed in this country, but it it was all across Canada. And I'm sure that was just the tip of the iceberg. So, um, you know, uh, investigative journalism becomes more important than ever. And I tell people that, you know, everyone tells me, well, I'll Google that. Well, Google's not always accurate. I used to, I'll give you an example. I used to tell people, um, uh, I am the first black president of a university in the United States of America. Who am I? And it would be Patrick Healy, Father Patrick Healy. And the university was Georgetown University. Google used to say that. You look it up now, Father Patrick Healy mixed. Mixed with what? He's an African-American. He was the first African-American to be a president of a university. So we're redefining culture. We're redefining uh, race. We're redefining political interests. And we saw Trump trying to bring a bunch of people that were opposed to the Venezuelan government here so they could, uh, he could multiply by 300,000 the uh, same backwards uh, mentality we see from the uh, Gusanos in Miami and Michigan. So um, we do have to be careful. And uh, it's a day-to-day struggle. And I want to thank you for uh, this great show and all the participants. It was really wonderful. And I miss Brother Hakeem and uh, Sister Shirley and Brother Maurice, and I hope we'll hear from them soon. Everyone have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, Brother Moses. We live in the world today of the Matrix. Certainly, certainly, certainly we're living in that day in the sense that um, there's a world of illusion out here and there's a world of reality out here. And trying to differentiate what's real from what is false is a a problem. And it's not easily discerned all the time. We know that um, the big lie is, is 
things can be built upon a lie. Basically, like the concept of a nation. What is a nation? I remember we had this concert, Woodstock Nation. Um, is culture a nation? Makes you a nation? Uh, but anyway, you can build a whole country around the the the, the culture as being a, a common culture. It makes a nation. And so, you know, that's an illusion. But yet, yet it's perpetuated, and there's big money behind it. And you know, the mercenaries are. Uh, People who 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 are just looking out for opportunism and uh, and uh, a way to survive and uh, be comfortable and have a nice lifestyle, um, uh, they buy into all these things because because you know that's that's the way of the world. But the truth the truth is we we have to stand on the truth and uh, stand speak truth to power and. Uh, and let the chips fall where they may. You know, we have a lot of interest interest politics now, um, self identity politics, and um, but anyway, um, the most important thing is that we stay in the struggle for the race to cure racism against imperialism, apartheid, and Zionism. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And Brother Anthony, your response. Are we living in a world today, a world of the matrix? Yes, we are. And and, And that is because there's a lot of misinformation being presented as truth. And there's also the suppression of information uh, by our inability uh, to learn from other struggles going on around the world, and the only way to fight against that is is by being organized and by traveling and interacting uh, with other people from different parts of the world. That is the only way we can get at the truth, uh, because everything is told in, in, in the U.S is told from the ruling class perspective, not from a working class perspective. So we have to be careful of the information we get uh, from the uh, imperialist media. And, uh, you know, and the only way uh, we we have sourced alternatives is by uh, by belonging to a political organization that is working in our interests. So it is critically important that we join an organization that is working for our people's liberation. One such organization is the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. And you can find out more about our program which is to build a party and objective pan-Africanism by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. And you can learn about the history of our struggle and, uh, and gain a, a, a better understanding of uh, what's going on in the world. So please check it out. And uh, join an organization. That's the most important thing we can do right now. 
because uh, if individuals could uh, could by themselves free us, we would have been free a long time ago. Thank you, Brother Anthony. We're going to take a rubbishery culture break, and when we come back, we would like to have our closing remarks for each of our panelists and participants today. And we're going to take our break right now. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Move. Oh, God, y'all. 
brother, brother, there's far too many of you die. You know legacy 
as he made his transition today three years ago. Also, we'd like to, again, make everyone aware to our listening audience. If you are interested in going on a journey to a freedom ride with us, with us and other organizations under the banner of the African Awareness Association, we'll be taking a African Historical Education and Culture Tour to Cuba from December the 27th to January the 3rd. We just ask all of you, if you're interested, please email us at either Africa on the move, number two at Gmail, or contact the African Awareness Association by emailing them at African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. Yes, we can. We're on our way to Cuba to pay our respect to our brothers and sisters and learn from that revolution. Again, the tool is from December 27th to January 3rd. Come and join us. So right now, what we're going to do in terms of closing out this program, we'll go back to our panelists and analysts and ask them for their final thoughts for tonight. But before we do that, we do have a caller that been with us quite a while. We're going to see if this caller would like to make or have any comments. And caller, we can call out your last four numbers, 1116, caller 1166. Are there any comments or remarks you'd like to make at this point in time? Caller 1116. Yeah, I thought this was, I got in late, but I thought this was a a very excellent uh, program. And I wanted to share just something real briefly. Uh, This is from, uh, uh, I don't know if anybody talks about this. This is from the um, Mint Press News, and they were talking about Cuba, and they were talking about this. organization, this is uh, called Creative Associates International, CAI, which basically works for the CIA, and one of the things that they did was they put together a uh, kind of a Twitter-like, um, uh, kind of a Twitter-like uh, uh, social media, and with that Twitter-like social media, they were able to get 55,000 uh, email addresses, and they were they were able to get out to the youth and get the um, the uh, you know the youth involved in, in in trying to get them thinking in the wrong path. And they also took some of the rappers and got them on connected with some um, uh, musicians and to up their um, you know up their um, visibility. So these are some of the things these people do. This is a great program. They not only infiltrate the media in, in terms of television, news, and so forth, but also the arts, uh, type of arts we do, the universities, uh, businesses, all sorts of things. So it's a very important topic. I think you did a great job tonight. And Carla, what was the name of that organization again? This was called, this came from the uh, Mint Press News. Um, and this organization was is called Creative Associates International. They get they like they get funding from the um, feds, and so it it just looks like it's a private company, but basically they carry out the work, you know, of, of the government. Okay, Carlos, thank you for your comment and for your support. We thank you very much. We then we'll go to Brother Moses. We'd like to have your final thoughts for tonight, Brother Moses. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me say this. Some of these, these rappers um, are nothing but mercenaries. I mean, they're basically in it for money, and, and, that, and they do anything for money, and uh, they have no consciousness, no political consciousness, so to speak, what to speak of. Um, and, um, but anyway, it's been a great show. Um, I think, you know, we, we have to, we have to recognize that Saturday, Saturday, the 28th, we'll be in the streets with the National Action Network and Reverend Sharpton for voter rights. Uh, power concedes nothing without a demand and we have a demand for voter rights. And, um, and so, uh, those who under the sound of my voice, who have a ear, let them hear. And I'll thank you. Uh, also, Sunday, Sunday, the D.C. Metropolitan Committee for the, in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution will be having a caravan uh, uh, supporting the Cuban Revolution. Uh, 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 thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, for your contribution to today's program. You now will go with Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, your final thoughts for tonight. Thank you. I just hope Brother Moses can tell us, tell the listening audience the time and the place uh, to participate in uh, both demonstrations, the one on the 29th as well as the 28th. Um, I I just simply have to uh, say thank you so much. It was a wonderful show. And the reality is that uh, it's called social media. That's the word I was looking for all evening. So right now the dilemma for uh, for the planet Earth is not only misinformation through the uh, uh, televisions and the theater and and through the newspapers, but now it's social media. And social media is having an incredible impact. As the last caller said, someone set up a Twitter account, and they just filled the heads of our youth with propaganda. So this is one of the greatest threats I see to democracy now. We've already seen 18 states pass legislation to suppress, quote, Alice is working. The reason they want to suppress the the voters, the electorate, is because of the power that it took last November 2020. So there's one thing that people can control, uh, some in this country, and that is uh, whom is elected to office. Now, it's a broad subject because uh, it takes money to run for office, but sometimes I've seen people run for office without money, and in local elections, demand that when they see their uh, running mates or or their opponents uh, with numerous TV commercials, they go right to the TV station and say, listen, I'm a candidate of the people. I demand that you give me airtime. You set up a 30-minute show, you do something, but you get these candidates together. If you believe in democracy, if you call yourself a a uh, news producing television station but uh, but there's so much that people can do locally and and i I do think uh that's uh, still a reality, and I think registering to vote and being empowered 
by uh, voting is still very important. We cannot deny that. And I think being organized is so important. In closing, I just have to say I stand in solidarity with the people of Afghanistan. It is a horrific situation that they are encountering. And uh, in addition, uh, we must continue to fight these totalitarianness governments, whether it's uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil, whether it's a Donald Trump in the United States, whether it's a Modi in India, it doesn't matter. But this is the the call for all people. And to remember that if we save one person, we save everyone when we inoculate ourselves against this pandemic. We've seen 2,000 children in this country now infected with the virus. Uh, 400 have died as of this week. We need to bring a a halt to this pandemic by any means necessary. I stand in solidarity with uh, the working class and uh, labor movements for progressive environmental science and uh, environmental practices and uh, wages and education, as uh, W.D. Du Bois said, is liberation. So with that, I'll say good night and thank you so much. Everyone have a wonderful week. Thank you, Sister Noah. Little wish, little wolf of cover action. You find the thoughts for tonight. Uh, I'm hoping that Moses can give us the contacts for the D.C. Metro coalition in solidarity with the Cuban revolution. I don't have the number here, but they can con- your listeners can contact us and get the route of our of our uh, uh caravan on the 29th. Uh I would simply add if I may uh, a plug for the magazine that I co-founded in 1978, uh Covert Action Quarterly. Uh it was in in print publication for 27 years um, from 1978 to 2005 and in 2017 we relaunched again as an online publication uh, folks who want to read us it is an uh, you can find it online at covertactionmagazine.com covertactionmagazine.com if anyone is interested in getting a set a full set of the 78 magazines that we published uh, uh, from 1978 to 2005 that can contact me at L-O-U-W-7. That's the digit 7, L-O-U-W-7 at live.com. And uh, we can work out an arrangement for you to get a full set of them. I, I just warn you, it's a pile about three feet high. So if you have space for it, that's what it is. Thank you so much for this program. Thank you, Brother Lou, for your contribution to today's program. And we now we'll go to Brother Moses for a second. Brother Moses, do you have the information that people have been requesting about the upcoming meeting with the D.C. Metro Coalition in defense of the Cuban Revolution? Yeah, um, I don't have a number on me right now, but I believe there's a website uh, using that that. Um, um, DC Coalition, and uh, um, I believe it will come up. But I, I don't have the information right now. I'm sorry. 
Okay, and for the listening audience and those who may hear this program, if you'd like to have the information, why don't you just email Africa on the Move by emailing us at Africa on the Move to at gmail dot com. Email us and we will forward that information to you. Okay, now let's go real quick like going back to our first call of one 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 six. Brother Neil, I know you um also represent the organization. One of the things you want to do is expose our people to the organization. Do you want to briefly just talk about how can they get in touch with your organization? It's the, uh, our organization is the uh, Pan-African Revolutionary Socialist Party, PRSP, and um, we have a, a new website, which is, I, I keep getting it messed up, but I think it's pan Um and uh, if that's not right, I'll just get the right uh, email to you next time. But um, that is, uh, uh, or if you go to our old website, I think it will take you to the new website. And that's prsponline.com. Uh, <clears throat> All right. Thank you, Brother Neil. Again, those interested, email us. We'll get you that information. Now, for our final thoughts from Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony. Your final thoughts for the day, and how can you find out more about your organization? Well, Brother Anthony. Certainly. Um, you uh, let's see. My final thought for today is that it's critically important that uh, that 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 Africans belong to a political organization that is working for our people's liberation. And uh, you can, and one such organization is the All African People's Revolutionary Party (GC). Uh, you can find out more about us by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. You can also call us at two zero two two four six. Four eight nine six for more information about our organization and how you can uh, join and support our work. And uh, I urge every uh, you know uh, it's critically important in this day and time that all uh, justice-loving people belong to an organization that is working for the liberation of the masses of our people. Join an organization. Thank you, Brother Abby. Thank all of our guests, analysts, and panelists, our listening audience, our friends, and our supporters. As a reminder, we come on every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Please share the word, spread the word. And for those who hear this program, we'd like to close you out with this particular quote as relates to our theme unite deception control and power this is part one of a two-part series it reminds me of a statement by andrew lordy with excuse me where this statement reminded me about the theme tonight where he stated that when we speak we are afraid our words will our words will not be heard or welcome. But when we are silenced, we are still afraid. 
so it is better to speak. So on that note, we'd like to leave you with that thought. Again, remind you, come and join us and sign up to go with us. I'm the band African Wilderness Association to Q, December 27th to January the 3rd. You can email us at Africa on the Move 2 at Gmail or contact the African Wilderness Association by email them at African Wilderness Association 2 at gmail.com. Again, in memory of Emmanuel D. Jordan, um, co founder of Missing Page of History, uh, we give our salute as he made the transition three years ago. We would like to acknowledge he is one of the many freedom fighters who fought to help move our people humanity forward. So again, until next time, let's continue to move forward with our back novel and always remember we are Africa on the move. We'll see you next week.
estado sobrado, somos ricos y sigo respetando al rato de Puerto Rico, al cubano, al colombiano, mexicano y español. Pero lo de nosotros sale del corazón, con sentimiento, con talento, violento, ojo, no con armas, sino con conocimiento. El intelecto emana de los foros, te metes en internet y lo ves en los foros. Esa sabiduría, aunque muchos locos piensen que son habladurías, pero que primero fondo la ciencia mía, para que después hablen como comadre, chismosa. Yo te escribo en verso y en prosa. No soy Alice en el país de las maravillas. Estamos claros, te portas mal, te atribillas, te hacen papilla, Es que eso es obvio. O eres ángel o eres demonio, ni niño. O eres ángel o eres demonio. Quiero ver a toda la gente con las manos arriba. ¿Dónde están los latinos con las manos arriba? Que vive el hip hop con las manos arriba. Con las manos arriba, que viva la cultura con las manos arriba, el deporte con las manos arriba, Venezuela con las manos arriba, ¿Qué? ¿Qué? sentimiento, sabor, rumba, corazón, la salsa retumba, retumba el tambor, no se te olvida el coro, recuerda el folclore, te lo digo el rap, crece la tensión, ritmo caribeño, se siente el calor, esta es música de calle, al que no le guste que vaya a llorar para el valle, es música con estilo, tú estás claro así que solo dilo, como comerse una arepa, volar papagayo, llámalo, cometa, tropo perinola, que te ruchen las metras, música venezolana y todo lo que se haga en Venezuela, no solo es un ritmo, escucha las letras, tan criollo como que te vean y te digan, epa, que te choquen las manos, al final del día, dale, hablamos, y lo que más me alegra, la gente latina siempre será gente negra. Comandante, te amo. Que Dios te bendiga.
I love you for staying strong. You got it going. You 